Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with thought leader and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast provides you with insights and ideas you can use to reinvent your culture through trust and the principles of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. At a time when the world is rewriting the rules of work, traditional leadership practices are not enough. It's time to perceive persistent challenges through a new lens. It's time to evolve. This is Yvette Bethel, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Evolve. Evolve challenges traditional leadership topics, explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. We explore ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. In this episode of Evolve, we will explore the inverted pyramid. And to explore this topic with us is entrepreneur, podcaster, and author, Des McCabe. I've known Des for a number of years now, and at the heart of everything he talks about is about, he's about, <laughs> he talks about and he's about challenging accepted norms. Des is one of the UK's leading specialists in inclusion, job creation, and personal development. He founded and built the largest independent training organization in the UK, finding work for over 5,000 long-term unemployed every year. He's recognized as one of Europe's leading job creation and entrepreneurs by Europe's top 500. Beyond his professional achievements, Des has established and raised funding for the Training Trust, an international charity set up to meet the humanitarian needs of children in Romanian orphanages. He is also involved in uh, charities in Ghana, Madagascar, North, Northern Ireland. I mean, the list is, seems endless. Is that correct? <laughs> Did I leave anything out? <laughs> um, I, I feel so humble now trying to live up to some of that. But, uh, <laughs> but thank, thank you so much for the very uh, warm welcome and very generous introduction, Yvette. It's uh, lovely to be here. Genuinely lovely. Yeah, it's, it's so great to have you back with us. Uh, and uh, I'm curious. We just heard a little bit, because you have such a vast background, but we heard a little bit about what you do. And so I'm going to jump right in. Now you have a new book out. What caused you to write about it, the inverted pyramid? What caused all of this to happen? Well, it wasn't something I planned. Uh, let me just put it like that. I had no intention of sitting down and locking myself away for six months to, to write a book, uh, and certainly a book about inclusion. So, but what happened was I've been running what we called Work It Out workshops for many years now, probably seven or eight years. And we've trained over 12,000 people from all walks of life. We bring people together, we mix them all up. They build relationships with each other and they learn to support and help each other. So it's a very open, friendly, supportive, positive way of working. Um, and we, we call that process uh, the upside down triangle and then a couple of years ago uh, Pope Francis and um, who's the head of the Catholic Church basically came up with a concept called 
the inverted pyramid. So if you look at an upside down triangle and an inverted pyramid, you'll see that they're roughly the same idea. And the reason that Francis was talking about an inverted pyramid was that he wanted to try and change the culture and the operation of the Catholic Church. He felt it was too top heavy. It was too autocratic. It was too much about the Pope at the top and then the cardinals and then the bishops and then the priests and then the, the people at the very bottom. And what Francis ideally wanted to do was to turn that upside down and have the people at the top of the pyramid and the clergy and everybody else supporting that process. And that was his idea for, if you like, inverting the pyramid. So the concept was very simple. It was to change the normal hierarchical structures that we have in organizations and to make them more participatory, more focused on the needs of the inverted commas, ordinary people within the organization. So to do this, what Francis decided to do was to have a great consultation and that he would consult with every diocese across the world. And this process started um, in 2021. And as a result of doing that process, a number of things happened. First of all, they only communicated with a very, very small number of indeed active Catholics, never mind anybody else. So whereas Francis wanted this to be an inclusive process, it ended up becoming yet another church activity. And by people participating in the consultation, what they really wanted to do was to take ownership of some of the issues that were being talked about, uh, be it about participation in the church, be it about sacraments, be it about women's roles, be it, whatever it happens to be about. But the bishops kept all of that information. So in, in fact, they actually reinforced the traditional pyramid. Instead of opening it up and giving people responsibility for taking it forward, they closed the boat again, or the, the door again. Mm -hmm. So, and then the idea was that the bishops would go back to Rome and a big conclave would happen and they would come out with recommendations. So I didn't want them to go back to Rome and come out with recommendations without understanding how they'd messed up the process. Right. And also what they might be able to do, number one, to get it back on track for the Catholic Church, but much more importantly, for all of us to play a part in this new inverted pyramid of inclusion, where we all have a part to play, irrespective of our religion or belief or non-belief. So I wrote the book really, not, not for the Catholic Church, I wrote it really for all of us, because all of us have a key role to play here. Inclusion doesn't belong to organizations. It's not a top-down corporate process. Inclusion is actually something that each of us has as a gift and a right um, to develop. So if, can you help our listeners to understand, like, how is, uh, with regard to the example that you provided, um, people were excluded in the conversation, but in the wider um, application of the inverted uh, uh, pyramid, how does uh, inclusion integrate into that is it uh, where where else does it fit and how how does it work exactly well it's a great question because when people heard about wanting to flip the pyramid upside down people thought you were going to change the structures within organizations they suddenly thought hang on the chief executive is going to be at the bottom cleaning the floors or, or whatever it happens to be <laughs> mm -hmm. that's not the way it works we all we need a hierarchical structure because that's the framework for 
all of our organizations to work. It's what holds us to account. It's what makes things work. It's our processes to make the business work. But that process and that structure is very different to a structure of inclusion, which is bottom up. So whereas the hierarchical pyramid has fixed roles, I can only talk to people in my department. Uh, I only work with a certain number of people. I only have responsibilities for a set number of topics. So my role is very tightly defined. With an inverted pyramid, when I'm working on inclusion, then the responsibility is mine to link up with others, to check how people are, to build relationships, to try and identify where things could be better, both inside and outside the organization. So inclusion, therefore, doesn't challenge or contradict the purpose of the organization. Actually, if we do it properly, it complements and gives the organization and those individuals new energy, new potential, new ambition, new ways of working together. So that's what organizations have traditionally struggled with. Mm. So what I'm hearing is uh, the inverted model is relational. <laughs> and with any relationship, uh, whether you're included or excluded, there's an element of trust. <laughs> so I'm uh, going to invite you now to weave in trust into uh, this model. I don't know if you thought about it and <laughs> in, from this perspective, but I'm curious about how your model and your process, because you said in the book that it's it's a process. How does it account for trust building? Uh, trust is actually at the heart of the process. Um, and we have to move away from or move beyond the transactional role of what we do. And, and we build trust by connecting with each other uh, and building a relationship with each other that is um, positive, respectful, creative. Um, and, and we do that with a view of trying to do something together. So if you and I were to build a relationship uh, to do something, I would be wanting to help you. I would be wanting to see where you and I could use our skills and talents to create something. And it's in that process, it's in that connection that we build trust and that relationship exists. And in all the workshops that we do, we make it really clear from the start that we the way we build trust is through a process of dual responsibility. So what, that's D-U-A-L. My accent may get me away sometimes. <laughs> but, but dual responsibility means that we have, in life, we have two key roles. The first one is to look after ourselves, to utilize the gifts, the skills, the talents, the experience that we've been given for good. And the second role that we all have is to look after everybody else in the world. So when we start a workshop, we say to everybody, um, the, the normal workshop you would think that have the trainer at the top, a bit like a hierarchical structure again. And they, all the participants are at the bottom, just like the employees. And I say to people at the start, that's not how this course works. Because you are now at the bottom of the pyramid and you are now developing relationships. And the relationships that you develop are designed to help everybody else on this workshop. So you have a responsibility to be positive, to be helpful, to reach out. Now, what this does is it stops people thinking um, 
and playing the same negative tapes in their head again and again. I can't do this. Oh, I've heard all this before. Oh, this isn't going to work for me. And they, they move beyond that self-centered negative um, language to one that's much more creative and empowering because then they realize, wow, Yvette's fabulous on trust. Jenny's brilliant on leadership. Bob's good at making egg boxes or whatever it happens to be. So mm -hmm. how can we start to utilize these skills in a more creative way? And because they're coming out of themselves, they're able to suggest things that we've never thought of about ourselves. And you get this engine of positivity, engine of creativity, where people, once they get to know what you're good at, what your talents are, what your skills are, it starts to explode. <laughs> it's within that confidence and knowledge that the trust grows. And it's like a strong shell because it protects that whole group. Mm. You talk about this strong shell and, and protection, and it leads me to, to think about uh, safe space, which is uh, something that, you know, a lot of people are thinking about these days. And uh, if you can share with us uh, a little bit how your model protects, you use the word protects, but pr protects that space. Well, we, we, oops, sorry. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, 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 in terms of the workshops that we run and, and the way that we get people to work together, encourage people to work together, we, we make a number of rules. And the first rule is that there's no negative language. Right? So you're not allowed to say, I can't, that wouldn't work for me. Uh, there's no criticism. There's only positivity. Um, that's number one. Secondly, when people come back to subsequent sessions, because it's typically a six-week process, but when they come back, they report to each other on what they've done. And irrespective of what they report, everybody is positive. So you might have said, I'm going to do six things this week. And you come back and you say, you have to report that in a positive way. So actually, things didn't go as well as I'd hoped, but, but I've managed to get the first thing started, right? Now, normally we would say, I've had a terrible week, I've got nothing done and I'm useless. So we're trying to change the, the language that we use. We're trying to change the way that we present our thinking, and we're trying to condition everybody to be more positive, more supportive. So we're building a culture here, which normally doesn't exist in the outside world. Because in the outside world, people are keen to criticize us. They're keen to find things wrong. And um, look at social media. Look at the general news on our screens. It's all pretty depressing. So we have to create an environment that protects people again, but also that allows them to flourish. It has to be one that allows them to come up with a crazy, wacky idea and for people to say, love it, even when it's horrible, right? And I think that's really special. But it also has to allow them to open themselves up when they're in their deepest, darkest times as well. And we've had people in workshops who are simply there because they're lonely. We have people there on addiction, et cetera, et cetera. And so that safe space allows them to see other things happening. And we're, we have to create role models. So it's no good just bringing a group of chief executives together. You know, we have to we have to split things up. We have to shake things up so that they see different perspectives and, and role models as well. How do you, you know, some people would say, um, you know, all that positivity, I'm a realist. I, you know, I'm going to say things the way it is. It, I want, I need to be real. And that's how people get helped. 
what do you say to them? Um, because maybe their intent is not to criticize, but maybe to be real or authentic. Is That's the word, the buzzword these days. How do well, we think, help with that and help yeah, them? I, I, well, the, fir the first and the most fundamental question that we always ask is, what is it that you really want to do? So you're only here once, I think, unless somebody out there knows more about the cosmos <laughs> than I do. We only get one shot at this. So this is serious, serious stuff that we're talking about. So we're here as a group of people. Each of us may have an idea of what we're trying to do. Some of us have never even thought of the question. So let's start to think about what does our future look like? What's important to us? What do we want to create? What do we want to build? Who do we want to look after? What do we want to leave behind? What is it that's, that's at the heart of who we are? And once we start to get some clarity about that, then we can all be positive about helping each other to achieve whatever that is for us. And, and that's due a lot of serious thinking, really serious creativity, really positive action, and a lot of help. Mm -hmm. So this is not about individuals putting their heads above the, uh, the parapet and getting shot down. This is about individuals, you know, coming together and, and looking after each other. And nobody is allowed to shoot anybody down. So, so it sounds like it's more your perspective is more about um, seeing beyond your own needs uh, and uh, recognizing the the power of of the ecosystem of the the whole of everybody because we're all connected. We're not really as separate as we think. And uh, you know, I bring a certain certain gifts or talents you bring and someone else brings something else and it all integrates. So it sounds like what you're saying is that um, uh, it's important to, to, to bring it together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I only, th I think we can only find out who we are through others. Yeah. I think I think it's almost circular or something like that, but it's bigger than circular because it's everything is interconnected, as you rightly say. So and I think that's what love is. I think love is everything that we all are together. So the more that we can explore this and share this and create this, then the better. But the value of my skills, um, you know, I can help a number of people or advise people or whatever, but it's what they do. It's how they then take that. It's what they you utilize with that it's how they interact with other people and and if i can stay part of that process then suddenly we're creating like the v becomes a vortex doesn't it it, it becomes <laughs> a whirlwind of possibilities but it all starts with that one piece of you would say it's trust and i would say it is as well it's trust in our own humanity and the gift of love that we've been given and mm. the potential that we all have to do something together i call that inclusion because that's what the world needs but trust uh, inclusion humanity love oneness i think we're all on the same platform trust humanity oneness uh we will return <laughs> having had that you know powerful statement made by des uh we'll return after the break and take a deeper look at the inverted pyramid organizational soul is a mission-driven organization and network where we specialize in trust in academia families and organizations we are building a community of leaders who are interested in trust and culture 
If you are interested in our updates, you can sign up for our newsletter at orgsoul.com. As a thank you for joining our community, you can access our free resources that are designed to help you build your brand as a trusted leader as you contribute to safe space. Sign up now at orgsoul.com. Welcome back to Evolve. Our guest for this episode is Des McCabe, and we're talking about his latest book, The Inverted Pyramid. So Des, when, when leaders implement this methodology, how does it impact their trustworthiness? How do people see them? Well, the first thing to say is we are all leaders. Mm-hmm. So, so this is this is a responsibility, an opportunity that each of us has. So we run inverted pyramid workshops. We've just launched those, and everybody is invited to come along to those. And um, it doesn't matter what your background is, your experiences, your knowledge, or any of that. Just come along and be part of this process. And um, so, I think it impacts um, in 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 a, in a couple of significant ways. I think by trusting and in, in making a move forward, that's what life's about. It's about making that move. It's about connecting with other people. It's about putting yourself into a, a different or a new space. Um, and our space is a safe space, as we talked about mm-hmm. before the break. So I, I think that um, by, by going into that space um, and trusting in that, we have the potential then to become leaders in this we see ourselves then in a new way and others see us in a different way. Mm-hmm. And because others see us in a different way, we see ourselves growing as leaders. And then we can begin to achieve all the things that are important to us. Yeah. And that might link, for example, to personal issues. It might link to something uh, in your family, but it could link as just as easily to one of the, 17 um, social development goals around poverty or famine or um, mm-hmm. climate change or whatever else is at the heart of what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. In your book, you uh, speak about shifting from transactional behavior <laughs> to interpersonal relations. And, uh, you know, I love this. It's, this is something that I talk about. And, uh, if the systems are in place with structures based on distrust, um, how does your methodology address the formal and informal structures that either build trust or, you know, kind of move it away? Building, let's use your language, build inclusion <laughs> or, or move it away from it. Well, I grew up in Ireland and one of the things that we are typically thought of in Ireland as being people are good at chatting to people. We we learn at an early age to to, to talk and, and communicate, I suppose. So one of the things that I always try and do is disrupt the transaction. That's my mm-hmm. mission every day. Whatever transaction I find I'm locked into, I will seek to disrupt it in some way. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I get a taxi, get an Uber, right? Mm-hmm. I will interview the Uber driver. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, I will say, what else are you doing? What other work have you done? Tell me what's happening in your life. What's the key challenges? And they all talk. And they all give you their story. When I was writing my 
one of my first books, Work It Out, which about was about the new world of work. Mm-hmm. Every time I asked an Uber driver, what else did you do? Do you do? And they would tell me that they imported toys from Japan and the boot was full of toys. Mm-hmm. They were a Syrian doctor learning the language, so had a had a taxi job or whatever it happened to be. But we I started to get scenarios and case studies studies of the way that people were working. So the point was I was disrupting the normal transaction of getting from A to B and paying my money. As well as that, I was imposing on it an interpersonal relationship. And the benefit from, from that was that the taxi driver went away with something positive, I hope. Mm. And I went away with a great case study. Mm. So every mm. time we find ourselves in a transaction, have a conversation. I went to the doctors recently. The first question he says is, what's wrong? Right? He doesn't say, how are you? So I say, how are you, doctor? Yeah? What's <laughs> happening with the surgery? Right? Yeah. 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 And, and suddenly he's into a conversation that's not on the computer screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And suddenly he, he's thinking, you know, have, have we chatted before? Suddenly we're now having a real conversation. Mm-hmm. And even online, I do it. You know, when somebody's saying, you know, um, you ring up about your car insurance or whatever it happens to be, and you'll be going through 16 points. I'll say, well, how's the weather in Scotland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What time do you escape today? Yeah. So we can we can inject humanity. We can inject humor. We can inject real conversation because we don't know what the other person is carrying. We don't know what they're left behind at home. We don't know what they've taken to work. So our conversation is really important. What you're saying is is making me think is a lot of people say, you know, I leave my home affairs at home and, you know, I don't bring it to work or vice versa, right? I don't take my work problems home. But that isn't real. It's not real. We're one person. We're not two different people. (laughs) So, you know, tell us more. You know? So I think you're, I think you're right. So I, I, I'm not going to say to somebody, "Tell me your deepest problems." I'm, that's not where you start, is it? Yeah. But you start by, by showing a little bit of humor or humanity or interest in the person. Yeah, mm. like that's a lovely accent you've got, or where you know, you know, where are you ringing me from, or whatever it happens to be. And um, yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's important. You know, when when people are at work. Uh, many times there's, uh, especially if it's a high pressure, results driven organization with a lot of controls and uh, not a lot of room for, you know, that humanity yeah. uh, to express itself. It, could you give us a, a concrete example of, you know, how do they navigate uh, the, the pressure or the tension between um, connecting as human beings versus uh, I don't have time to do this because I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, like that's a tension that's uh, constantly. I know people will work around it and talk anyway, but some people won't. So how do we help those that don't see the opportunity to connect uh, with someone else's humanity? That's a that's a great question, um, and and it's at the heart of the challenge for for organizations. Because most organizations don't know how to do inverted commas inclusion. They, they might run the odd inclusion course or uh, maybe buy an inclusion calendar or whatever else. But at the heart of all of this has to be the commitment by the organization 
that wants to support people and wants to build an inclusive framework. Uh, and that means uh, enabling people to understand the mechanics of what you and I are talking about here. The fact that it's okay to have conversations, the fact that we want people to develop their key skills, um, and the fact that we want, you know, we, there's so much talk about mental health, there's so much talk about well-being. What you and I have just been talking about is at the heart of mental health and well-being. So we don't need more courses on these things. What we need is the opportunity for people to learn about them and then to have the ability to talk in a constructive way, wherever that is, um, about the issues that are important to them. And more importantly, about the creative things that they can do. And that might be things related to the workplace. It might be things related to their colleagues, or it could be something totally outside of work. So um, it's about enabling individuals to be at the bottom of their upside down triangle or their inverted pyramid and to grow their relationships. Uh, and that's what's at the heart of inclusion, the heart of well-being, the heart of trust, the heart of um, their own mental health as well. So we, we just have to recognize there's another whole part of the person that is getting swamped at the moment and it's getting locked into a, a workplace that's um, crying out for greater context and greater connection and greater community. Um, and, you know, people have found freedom now at home because of the mm -hmm. aftermath of lockdown. Companies are trying to bring them back to their, their tents, their pyramids and lock them in again. Yeah. Um, and people are saying no. Yeah. People say, no, I, I, I found a different balance that probably is the word they used. Yeah. They've probably found a greater level of humanity, of connection to their partners or their children or their or whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and, a, and a sense of, of finding themselves in all of this as well. Uh, and that's what this is about, is finding yourself and being able to develop yourself with your colleagues and um, through the work that you do. You know, building an inverted pyramid or... In other words, building inclusion requires changing habits. And in your book, you shared a story uh, called The Boss with the Broom. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was a great story um, with, you know, changing perspective, changing old habits, uh, changing approaches, and in your words, disruption. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us more. And 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 the, and really the well, importance. I, I of think the, the the boss with the broom was it was an old story uh, that was told to me by a a, coll a good colleague of mine, um, Jimmy Ryan, and effectively he worked in an in an IT plant and he was a, he was the general manager or whatever, and they they had a, a cleaning company that came in at night and cleaned the the plant, but the manager of that cleaning company would come in during the day just to make sure everything was ready. And he would carry a broom, uh, a sweeping brush. Now, we don't expect our managers to carry a sweeping brush, right? But it made a really clear statement that that was his role and that he was there to make sure everything was right and they knew what he was for. So he was he, he was walking the, the talk, if you, if you like. So I think it's important that we don't just play the role of manager, play the role of trainer, play the role of clerical assistant. We all have a bigger role than that, which is connecting with people and, and reminding them of our ultimate priority. And, and within the, the broom story, um, then the guy was responsible for health and safety and looking after everybody and making sure nothing uh, happened to people. So that was the purpose of the, the cleanliness. And that's what he was trying to, to drive home. Um, uh, and the same is true of all of us, whatever our own personal priorities are. And we all know people at work who are struggling. 
and we mm-hmm. all know that we can we can do something there. So we need to build. That's what inclusion is. It's not some grandiose linking up with people. It's the actual day to day discussions that we have and, and how we relate and how we support and how we help and what we create together. So it's mm-hmm. both those sides. It's that whole spectrum of uh, interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. I think. that's a very good way of putting it based on what you know about inclusion this is my final question how can organizations build uh, uh, let me rephrase that what's the secret sauce (laughs) what's the secret sauce what do you want to leave with people um You can't learn it. You have to do it. You mm. have to be. Gandhi was a wonderful guy who said, you have to be what you want to see happen in the world, or you have to be the solution that you want to see. Mm-hmm. So there's no use us talking about saying we want to do inclusion. We have to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. That's that's the secret sauce. And when we say that, then we suddenly take on the role of dual responsibility again. We take responsibility for the way that we act and who we interact with and who we reach out with out to. And we take responsibility for looking after all the other people that we know or we care about in the business and outside the business. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very different model of career development which say, you know, it's it's about how you build and grow and work with and through others, as opposed to within a corporate rat race. So what would the core values be uh, with with that different model of career development? Because usually it's ambition and progression and, you know, getting results. Yeah, and I I would use all the words that aren't very popular or aren't very well used in in the world of work at the moment, but they are creeping in. Yeah, well, you know, five years ago, we didn't talk about mental health or we didn't talk about well-being, and, not, and now we are. Um, so I think kindness is, is coming through mm-hmm. as a core value. I think collaboration is coming through as a core value because we have to work together. You know, the last five years have shown us with migration, with COVID, with global war- warming, if we don't get our act together, we, you know, we, we've all had it. So collaboration, partnership, working together, along with uh, an ethos of kindness uh, uh, and gentleness and looking after each other i think those 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 values um uh, are are important people will use words like respect but but respect comes as as a result of these things or it's a yeah, but i think it's just the way we interact with people and we and we are there for people mhm there's a lot of, uh, I know I said that was the last one, but you made me think of another question. There's a lot of polarization happening. Like, how do we, how do we overcome that uh, dynamic? Because it's happening in workplaces and communities. People are polarizing. And, and how do we bring people together and accept that, to, you know, maybe I don't agree with your perspective of the world, but, uh, you know, I accept you for these other reasons. Like, how do we bring that together? I'll give you a very simple example, which um, I was very fortunate to work with. Northern Ireland has a history of sectarian division 
Catholics against Protestants of the Christian tradition. And I was asked many years ago to, to run a project for young children. So the idea was we get the children together and hopefully build relationships. Now, I know from experience that if you bring opposing views together, you, there's no room, there's no space for things to happen because one side will defend its position and the other mm -hmm. side will say we're entitled to this and you will mm -hmm. get nowhere. You just have to look at society in, in various ways now. Nothing has changed there. So that polarization that you talk about is always going to be there, whether it be around race or gender or whatever it happens to be. It's a religion. It's always there. So what we did um, within the within that project, you, you would call it safe, uh, safe space, but we actually created a new space. So we created a space that both parties could go to equally and participate in together. And the space that we created was um, children starving in Africa, in, in Kenya, right? So mm -hmm. these kids were then linked up with kids in, in Kenya. And every um, month, I think it was, they would pull together a series of drawings and stories about their school, their home, their holidays, and they put them all into a box and the box would be delivered to Kenya. And at the same time, a box would come back from Kenya with the kids out there putting in their stories as well. Now, what was significant was that the Catholic and the Protestant children coming together didn't talk about um, their nationalist or, or um, unionist traditions. They didn't talk about British or Irish culture, right? What they talked about was, should we tell the kids about our Nike trainers, about our game consoles, about our mobile phones, because we know that those kids out there are walking two miles a day with one little tiny bottle of water. So they'd gone beyond the transaction event of, of, of what they, they thought that the school expected of them. And they were building interpersonal relationships and working together in this new space, which was about improving life and betterment for everyone. So I think the answer to your question around polarization is we've got to look beyond ourselves. We've got mm -hmm. to look at the big issues that we're trying to address and take it one step at a time to help others. Mm -hmm. So you disrupted their intention, attention and uh, focused them on a shared goal, something that's outside of themselves and their bias. Correct. And, or, or, and, their or their parents' bias. Which or their mean. parents' bias, exactly. Yeah. And uh, by refocusing their attention, you got them to work together and not even be aware <laughs> of the polarity that was created, because uh, it? it is a construct. So they weren't even aware of it. So that's that's a powerful example. And and how would that? Do you have any examples in the workplace where you would have uh, implemented that? Just to bring it home for yes, people well, in the audience. Well, well, I've run inverted pyramid workshops uh, in, in many organizations. And um, there's always a little bit of apprehension at the start we, because you, know, you might be there for six months or a year, whatever it is, because you're coming in and effectively you're seen as somebody who's going to train all the staff in what they see as probably entrepreneurship skills, you know, because you're thinking, getting them to think differently and work together differently and come up with ideas. But when you bring people together in a company or a, work, or a local authority or whatever it happens to be from different roles, 
different departments and you bring them together and you say to them now, I want you to create projects together that you think are needed. Mm -hmm. So with a local authority, they all stepped out of their traditional roles or their departments and they started to think really of what the community needed. So they started to think about how they could utilize a, a derelict house for something, how they could create an opportunity for young people that didn't exist. So they came up with really, really strong projects. And because they came from different parts of the organization, they started to develop relationships across the organization. So they called it silo busting. It got them out of their departmental silos, other transactions, mm -hmm. if you like. And they were then excited to be working on real projects that they had identified where they could add real value. Um, and it didn't matter what the, the seniority of the person was, they, they were in there collaborating as in, in a collective way. I love silo busting. So, <laughs> that, we, we, you and I have got to write that book, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, silo. And clicks, you know, clicks. Uh, those, yeah, they serve a purpose, but... They don't but, serve but again, but again, the important yeah. message from those all those stories, and there's loads more in book, but the important message is to for us to step outside of whatever structures or relationships or in things that we're in and, yeah. and, and talk to people in a more ordinary, dynamics, practical way around yeah. what's important to us. Because if we don't say what's important to us, if we don't say what like we'd like to do, and if we don't ask people what's important to them, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> We're just going to stay locked in our little cages, right? Like little rats pressing their pellet for their food. We can do better than that. I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Des, that was my last question. <laughs> I don't believe it, but never mind. <laughs> it was. So with that, I'd like to thank you for such an engaging interview. Oh, I just uh, enjoy these interviews. Your insights will certainly help everyone um, to create their own inverted pyramids and to participate in them. And with that, to my audience, this has been Yvette Bethel and Des McCabe. Des, can you tell everyone where to find you? Um, yes, thank you. And thank you for today, Yvette. It's it's wonderful, as always, uh, uh, to, to link up with you and, and your listeners. Um, it's invertedpyramid.info. That's the website, invertedpyramid.info. And we run open workshops all the time. And everybody who's listening to this is welcome. Please come along, find out more. I would be delighted to see you. And if you want to contact me directly, my email is diversiton at gmail.com. That's diversiton at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Learn more about our proprietary trust, leadership, and culture courses and certifications at the IFB Academy. You can check them out at organizationalsoul.learnworlds.com.